What's up design family and welcome back to another episode of Fit Design TV. As always, so glad to have you lovely folks back on the channel. On today's episode, we'll be analyzing the meteoric rise of Gymshark and what you as a fashion brand, as a sports store brand in 2023 can learn from them. I'll be giving you guys my analysis as a fashion designer, a project manager, basically someone who helps brands design, develop, and produce clothing and has done so in the sports store space since 2015 on what I believe are the key ingredients towards and behind Gymshark's success. So if you're interested on how you can learn from the big players out there, well, this is going to be the analysis and the episode for you. Hundreds of millions of dollars in sales, millions of units shipped, and ultimately a legacy towards what their name means in the fitness and the sportswear industry. Gymshark has definitely done a lot for the space and they prove that you can start off with relatively very humble origins with one or two founders and have an idea, have a unique niche and grow into a multi-billion dollar brand. And to do so in a relatively short amount of time, 11 to 12 years is a speck of dust in the grand scheme of things. The same size of companies like Nike, Adidas, Puma took twice if not three times as long to get to the position that Gymshark is in. And this just explains how much of a potential brands have to actually excel their growth if they're playing the right strategies. The first key ingredient towards Gymshark's success is something that we now all take for granted. And this is the concept of influencer marketing. Matt Ogus, Christian Guzman, all of these characters brought Gymshark to the forefront of the fitness industry in 2012, 2013, 2014. And back then, it was a very, very unique idea to use likable characters, people from our day-to-day -day lives and to sponsor them and to put your products in their hands. And the reason that this did so well, especially back then, was there was a idea of relatability. The people that they would sponsor were extremely relatable. They felt almost touchable as opposed to these grand slam athletes that you typically would have seen supported and sponsored by sports or brands. The Cristiano Ronaldo's, the Roger Federer's. Sure, these are great athletes to have on your roster, but there's something about them that feels detached. And influencer marketing basically allowed the customer to get a lot more in touch with the people that were presenting the brand. And it felt like the brand could give you a piece of that, something that was attainable, something that was achievable if you were bought into it. At the same time, the landscape of how media was being distributed was completely changing. Long gone were the days of these very formalized televised programs that were put together by studios and then you had the actors or the athletes come in. Now anyone could just pick up a camera and vlog their life on YouTube and gain millions and millions of loyal and devoted fans simply off of the back of an authentic personality. And Gymshark tapped into that. They gave you a way to get closer and to get more of a sort of relational touch to the people that you looked up to on these platforms, on Vine, on Instagram, on all of these platforms that influencers were using to put themselves out there and gave you a way to buy into that. Influencers would have some form of discount code, which at the same time was a unique value proposition because not only could you support the influencer that you liked, but also by supporting the influencer, you were able to gain a discount. So this encouraged people with a no brainer to use these discount codes. And it also encouraged influencers who would get a cut from every sale made to promote the discount code endlessly. The ROI on this kind of influencer marketing campaign was 10x, 20x what you could expect from traditional marketing campaigns. And because it was relatively 
untapped. It was the wild, wild west in influencer marketing. Gymshark was really able to come in to sign a lot of exclusive athletes over prolonged periods of time with certain contracts that other brands couldn't compete with. And because they had this first mover advantage, they just had a ton of pull. They had so much attention given to them simply off of the backs of these influencer marketing campaigns, which didn't feel forced. They felt much more natural to the audience than something as a paid promotion where someone would come out on TV in a suit, dressed up, and read off of a script. Here, you're getting the real-world thoughts. Sometimes the influencers like it, sometimes they wouldn't like the product, and what you were buying into was their opinion on the product, not necessarily what the company wanted you to see. Next up, Gymshark was one of the first sportswear brands to actively use social media in its full entirety. If we think back to 2012 and 2011, social media was around. We had Facebook, we had Instagram, we had Vine, we had all of these platforms, but in terms of how people engaged and interacted with these platforms, it was extremely underdeveloped. And Gymshark was definitely one of the first to see the value proposition of using social media to connect with their audience, to get their product out there, to make announcement, to create and generate hype around the brand, and to just get closer to the audience that they wanted they used all the platforms in a way that was very specific to each platform whereas on instagram they would create daily instagram stories they would have pieces of content campaigns that they would put on their main page they would actually allow athletes to take over their instagram stories for the day so that you could feel more connected to the athletes that were promoting the brand and just create a sense of likability and a family-sided nature to the brand. Also, with YouTube, they would create more long-form content, long-form content that was meant to thrill, that was meant to entertain, that was meant to educate. They'd create, again, day-in-the-life vlogs. Some of the most memorable experiences are day-in-the-life of Gymshark, athlete, Steve Cook, Christian Guzman, so on and so forth. And again, this allowed them to up the production quality, but to give you a glimpse into the lives of these athletes through the lens of Gymshark. They also were very, very heavy on Twitter and they still are creating more of a personal touch and feel to the brand where you almost felt that you knew the owners, you knew the organization, and they did this very, very well, especially early on, as well as the brand grows and grows. Sure, you may get the sense and the feeling that the brand is becoming more detached, but that's another story for another day. In their inception, they did this very well. They knew how to get close to the audience, they knew how to create a relatable tone, and they were in touch with what the community needed and how to give it to the community. Number three, Gymshark has always been very good at putting customers first. And I say this because I personally bought from Gymshark a bunch of years ago, and even as a young brand, their shipping time was always exceptional. Their customer service was great. I remember having an, an issue with my order, misordering something that I didn't want ordered. This was a mistake on my side. And I remember around 2014, 2015, being such a young company, they were always able to make amends. They were always able to keep their customer happy. And you could tell early on that their philosophy was make sure to curate an exceptional customer experience across all fronts, across how your customer interacts with the sales reps, whether it's a live service chat, whether it's a quick email responses, whether it's professional emails, they were always made sure to make sure that the product was shipped out correctly to standard. And if there was any issues, they would rectify this. Look at it this way. If you have built a brand that is worth buying into, well, if the customer goes ahead and gives you that trust, you don't want to disreward that trust. You don't want to betray that trust by a poor quality after sale service. What is the use of all this marketing, all this product design, all these logistics if after the customer makes a purchase, you're unable to support them on their purchase? It's not about making the first sale, the second sale, it's about making the 10th sale, the 20th sale. A great real world experience that actually showcases how much of an effort Gymshark consistently puts 
towards putting their customers first and playing the long game is in their infamous Black Friday sale around 2014, 2015. Obviously, as a growing brand, they're facing a ton of issues, scaling, delivering unprecedented levels of sales and customer response. This obviously would lead any brand to have to make or to have to slip up in certain situations. And back then, the founder, the co-founder of Gymshark, Ben Francis, actually wrote 2,500 personalized letters to each and every single customer that was affected, offering them returns, offering them refunds, offering them store credit on future orders. And this just is another showcase of how much customers come first with a brand like Gymshark and how they are playing that long game long-term. Number four, Gymshark has always been great at their logistics and their operation side. They've never been scared to scale to the next level and to feed the business the operational legs that it needs in order to fulfill ever-growing demand. They've moved offices multiple times and are always scaling and future-proofing, creating and adding new warehouses into their mix, offering elevated standards of office spaces for their employees in order to promote better creativity, to promote a better work culture, and ultimately to cement themselves in such a short period of time as a serious player in the industry and someone that should not be taken lightly. This sort of vision so fast and such in such a compressed amount of time is a clear indication of the willingness of the founders of the company, of the management to take risks and to give the business influence and the investment that it deserves in order to scale to the next level. Whether it's their state-of-the-art HQ that they've upgraded four times, five times over the last 10 years, or it is their private gym that they use to house events, to house uh, their employees, to allow them to work out, or athletes that come in from out of town in order to work out, in order to shoot campaigns. This is just a testament to how Gymshark takes, or how seriously Gymshark takes the operational side of things and how organized they are in the back end of the company. Next up is they have relentlessly documented their process, whether it's informal vlogs by the co-founders on the early days of the business, whether it was the more polished vlogs or day in the lives that they did somewhere around 2014, 2015, or in the process of starting their new HQ, building their new gym, Gymshark has always been great at promoting a sense of transparency and connection with the audience, especially with their co-founder, Ben Francis, who does a great job of showing you the ins and outs of growing and scaling such a large business, taking you through the trials and tribulations of what it's like to manage a team, to grow business, to have the vision to move a company forward in a very saturated space where they are relatively new players. This openness and this transparency creates a sense of familiarity, which is exceptionally important when it comes to a brand, especially a fashion brand. You don't want the customer to feel detached from what you're creating. You want them to feel that the people that are behind this brand are humans just like you or I. And that sense of relatability allows you to buy in because you could put yourself in their shoes and that emotional connection that you create actually converts to sales and actually converts to long-term loyalty down the run. Next up, I would be completely remiss if I did not mention their innovative product design and development standards. Gymshark was definitely one of the first companies to come into the fitness space and to offer a type and style of product that was very much needed in the industry. Whereas most of the traditional players such as Nike and Adidas were creating garments that at that time felt a little bit out of touch. They felt very boxy, the silhouettes were very old, the materials that they were using were not particularly innovative, 
they came in and they created a product that appealed to a youthful generation of lifters and a generation of lifters that was just starting to come up. And because of this idea or this focus on innovation, on fit, on making you feel better, on using the right types of fabrics, the right types of branding, the right color palettes, Gymshark has always had this idea that in order to drive their business, they need to innovate in their product design and their product development, be in touch with what the customer wanted, but also to project in advance what they could want. They also never rested on their laurels. They never took the same thing that worked once, twice, and kept rehashing in the same format. Sure, they would bring back best sellers time and time again, such as their flex leggings and their luxe track suits, but they always were looking ahead and looking for the next thing or the next category of products that could expand their business, to grow their revenue, to touch more customers, and to get more people to buy into the brand. Nowadays, you can pretty much get anything that your heart desires that is sportswear or athleisure related from gymshark.com. You can get accessories, socks, headwear, you can get swimsuits, you can get traditional sports suits. They have a variety of different ranges that appeal to a wide category of customers. And this is just a testament to how in-depth and how broad their product design and development team can go in order to create the right product, the right price for the right customer. Number seven, Gymshark has always been focused on data-driven decision-making. And this is beyond important for a fashion brand because you could create a collection that slaps, right? It does very, very well and it sells out. But if you don't understand truly why did it do well, what are the mechanics? What are the metrics behind the success of this collection versus the non-success of another collection? You won't understand how to consistently replicate the success because success comes in different forms, but the epicenter of that success is typically consistent and a brand can really hone in on what makes products successful and what customers are responding to simply by looking at the data, looking at the metrics, looking at key figures such as their sell-through rate. How long does it take them to sell out of a specific product? Which colorways of which products do well, which color schemes don't do well, which sizes are doing better as well, which sizes across which collections typically have a better or higher ROI on their overall business operations. By being hyper-conscious of the data that is behind their collections and behind their operations, they're able to make educated decisions and they're able to deploy every single dollar, whether it's in R&D, whether it's in product design, whether it's in manufacturing and logistics, to create great effect. Eight, Gymshark has always had a focus on community building. Whether it was in the early days where they had these very informal meetups with the athletes and the co-founders, they always gave customers a way to physically touch the essence of the brand. And nowadays, sure, things are much more elevated. They typically book out entire warehouses, entire parks, entire avenues, simply to put on these great pop-up shops, these great in-person events where you get to meet your favorite athletes, where you get to engage with the brand, where you're able to participate in activities all within the backdrop of the Gymshark community, the Gymshark family that they've created. They've always been extremely focused on community because they understand fundamentally that clothing in and of itself is not something that is particularly attractive to most people. What people want and what people do when they're buying clothing is they want to buy into a tribe. They want to buy into a shared identity. By giving physical spaces and phys physical experiences, especially at 
the aftermath of a global and worldwide pandemic where most people have been indoors for such a long period of time, they are very hyper aware that these in-person experiences can elevate their brand to a level where a lot of younger and smaller players simply don't have the bandwidth or the capacity to create similar events. They do this because they want to build a sense of tribe and they want their customers to feel that they belong to something that is bigger than themselves and that buying into the Gymshark aesthetic or the Gymshark apparel collection allows them to touch that even if for a simple fleeting moment. Number nine, Gymshark was and still is an extremely adaptable, resilient, and innovative brand. It's a brand that started off with a big risk as an online only retailer and something that was pretty much unheard of at the time, especially when comparing to legacy retailers such as Nike, Adidas, Puma, where customers could expect to go into stores to try on the clothing. Being an online only brand was something that was definitely a big gamble that definitely paid off in terms of their trajectory long-term. At the same time, Gymshark has always been willing to adapt to the times, been willing to change up their internal structures to promote the trajectory and the growth of their business long-term. This is especially well exemplified by their previous CEO, Ben Francis, stepping down at the time and allowing himself to take a more of a creative role and allowing a actual CEO to come in to fill in the gaps, to fill in sort of that knowledge gap that a young CEO didn't have at the time and to allow the business to grow and to increase the trajectory forward. They've always been willing to tackle any issues that comes their way and any of the inevitable ups and downs that a business will face. Certainly one of which was the pandemic in which Gymshark definitely was able to weather the storm by strategically planning their operations, by crafting a at-home model that encouraged customers to work out at home, offering them free programs, offering them free classes in order to promote the online and their online sort of stay at home business model that they were having to go into. This is just one of many things that Gymshark has done over the years in order to be, to remain resilient, to remain competitive and to think ahead of the curve and to continue to plan out their trajectory moving forward. Last but not least is that Gymshark has always been great at globalizing and localizing their products. Gymshark is a brand that has heard, that has and is heard of in all four corners of the globe. They've done a really good job presenting themselves in a variety of different markets, whether it's in the Australian market, whether it's in the United Kingdom market, whether it's in the European market, Canadian market, the US market, Gymshark has a strong presence and they do this by localizing the product, by curating specific product segments specifically for different markets and different segments, whether it's their modest activewear collection or whether it's a North America specific bodybuilding collection. Gymshark does a really good job of introducing themselves into new markets, not limiting their growth potential and making and marketing their products in a way that is quite hyper attractive to those specific markets. It's this tenacity and this willingness to take risks and this willingness to globalize and enter new and daunting markets that allows Gymshark to consistently grow year on year and to become and have become a behemoth in the sportswear and athleisure space as they are today. So what are our takeaways? We have to understand that you don't need a massive marketing budget. You don't need fancy offices, you don't need equipment, you don't need a wide range of athletes in order to create a fashion brand. What you need is the consistency to push day in, day out, to be innovative in how you design product, how you reach the customer, to be willing to take risks, to be willing to take calculated risks that are based off of data, to be willing to also put up with the punches as they are inevitably going to come your way. So if you guys enjoyed this episode, hopefully you've learned a thing or two. I love making these episodes or this series of episodes where we learn from existing 
fashion brands, the Goliaths, the behemoths of the fashion space. I've done a previous episode on Alphalete, a previous episode on Yungale. Let me know who you want to see in the future, who you want to see us cover in the future that you would like to learn from and you would want my personal sort of strategic analysis of what makes them so great and what you guys can learn from them as well. Guys, I wish you the best of luck on your own journey. And if you're in and on your journey, on your path to becoming the next Gymshark, well, I wish you the absolute best. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please consider smashing a massive thumbs up. It really does help us out. It keeps us motivated, pumping out this content for you. I say this from the very bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Fit Design TV. Until next week's episode, stay awesome.